0: Today I'm behind the headlines. We are eating. We're joined by Rose White and Isis Simpson Mersha, who's gonna be taking us through some local eats that they've discovered recently that you are gonna love. As I said, our guests today, Rose White and Isis Simpson Mersha. And as always, I'm joined by the vice president of content for M Live, John Heiner. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing awesome, Eric. It is great to be here. And uh, we got a fun show today. We, in our last show, we're at the end of the show. We've had a, a, a run of several weeks of what we said were very weighty topics. And uh, I was noticing that the, the guests were getting somber. Everything that... <laughs> <laughs> the, mood was, the mood was coming down. It was said, uh, probably time to lighten some things up. So we're going we're gonna to go weighty in a different way. The one that I think you might appreciate today, Eric. Uh, when I think of a weighty topic... Uh, that I love. How about a 21 pounds pizza that's in a box so big you can't fit it in your car. What do you think of that? I'm into that. I'm very into that. <laughs> okay, how about a uh, a burger that has two quarter pound patties, onions, lettuce, pickles, tomato, deep fried bacon, jalapenos, American cheese, pepper jack cheese on a brioche buns. How does that sound?
0: I'm also into that. We are eating <laughs> we're eating that today. Yes, that's that's what we're doing. <laughs>
1: we're having it catered in for the show. <laughs> right. When, we get through this we'll be waiting in the green room yes and then for you i went i went into the archives and found this one it's out there too flaming hot cheetos lotes. i love from it from a food truck i love it so you ready ready I'll, to go today i'll
0: bring my flaming hot mountain doom we can go do that that'll be fine <laughs> that
1: might cause system overload but <laughs> today the topic is uh, a great my feature um, that's got a great history behind it a short history but really an interesting uh, uh, backstory on why we have it it's called Michigan's Best Local Eats, and every week, once a week around the state on Saturdays, we have anywhere from five to seven stories from our different markets around the state that highlight some food items um, that you can find in your town. That usually these are ones that don't get a lot of publicity. They're not the ones with the uh, five-star Yelp ratings. Uh, that they don't have a James Beard chef. Um, these are these are stories about local people and entrepreneurs uh, starting up. Uh, businesses because they have a dream and also probably have some uh, s- uh, special talents for cooking special kinds of foods so on today's show I wanted to bring on uh, a couple of our reporters uh, one from the west side of the state uh, Rose White from Muskegon good morning Rose hello she works uh, out of our Muskegon office and then over on the east side of the state rep in the east side of the state Isis Simpson-Mersha good morning from the Flint Journal
2: hi good morning
1: uh, good morning. And Isis and Rose uh, have written quite a few of these stories. Um, and I had to do a little back reading, even though I'm uh, the VP of content for Live. It's a dirty little secret, but I don't see every single story that we run because we run thousands and thousands of stories a month. But uh, I went and did some back reading last night. And man, oh, man, I got to get back on the road because there's some not only some amazing food items out there, but which, which we know people love just from, you know, all the TV shows and that are out there in the blogs, but, uh, also some amazing stories. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to steal your guys's thunder, but, um, you, you have done a really good job of getting into the texture of your communities and finding people, uh, who represent not only the communities, but, uh, stories about people pulling themselves up, making something happen uh, in, a, in really difficult times. So, uh, the tip of the hat to you uh and i'm going to get to those some of those stories here in a second with you but for the sake of our listeners i want to give a little backstory when covid hit it was extremely disruptive for small businesses and the, at the tip of the spear kind of taking the brunt of it were a lot of restaurants uh, because we couldn't have sit-down uh, dining at the beginning of that uh even when they started loosen restrictions there had to you know uh have half quarter capacity and then half capacity so they were really taking the brunt of it and we started something called takeout tuesdays to highlight small businesses and restaurants in our communities around the state kind of give them a boost and a leg up during covid that became very popular we noticed what great stories were coming out of it and so uh, we kind of morphed it into local eats uh, which we ran uh, weekends um, continue to feature those stories and now we've, we've uh, added the brand Michigan's Best Local Eats to it because we do these big food searches around the state um, and give a lot of attention to really high profile places, uh, places that tourists go that are really well known. But these local eats are a lot of great stories as well. And now we've done hundreds of these so far now. And the, the substance of them is just as important for our communities, so uh, again, a lot of praise to reporters like you who've gone out and found these stories. But I want to start with that. And I'll start with you, Isis. This is a weekly assignment. So where do you start and how do you keep keep this fresh? And how do you find these stories?
2: So <clears throat> initially, I started by just simply doing a Google search to see what businesses we have in the community. Um, and a lot of times I would look for you know, maybe businesses we haven't reported on in the past so they could get some love during this time. And so once I came upon that business, I would just call them, explain them, explain to them what we were doing and how we wanted to highlight businesses during this time. And most times they're really excited to share their story. Other times I've gotten lucky and Roberto, my editor, you know, he has been a part of the community for so long. He'll be like, this Restaurant, I think, would be really great for this uh, because I love going there. I love eating there. So tell me, you know, how that goes. Other times I'll have just business owners reach out to me because they've seen stories that I've done in the past.
1: How about you, Rose? What approach do you take to finding and telling these stories uh, in Muskegon?
3: Yeah, I think um, I. Came into the local eats kind of halfway through um, when I started M Live, so a lot of uh, sort of the high profile restaurants we'd already profiled, so it kind of elevated my search efforts a little bit more. But I think that just also. Um, led to finding more interesting stories and just kind of some of the restaurants, like Isis said, that we haven't profiled before and might not pop up in initial Google search. So it's a lot of, for me, searching on social media, looking at um, like Chamber of Commerce lists and just kind of looking at some of these restaurants that haven't gotten a ton of attention, but also at the end of the day, have really interesting stories and a lot of good food to offer.
1: When I was in those stories, I was struck by two things and I was, I kind of hit on it when I opened with Eric here is the food items are just, I mean, I'm so imaginative, so many different things that you couldn't think of. Like there's this, uh, these two guys you wrote about Rose and Muskegon who were sitting around talking one night, you know, they may have had a libation or two, I don't know, but within five minutes they, they get this idea. They're going to do a tiki food truck with like Polynesian food. And looking at the pictures and descriptions of the food, it looks amazing. How do you, when it's a food truck, especially because these things popped up a lot in local eats? How do you track that down? How do you find these people?
3: Yeah, I think um, Muskegon has a pretty robust food truck scene. I think, um, and they have a lot of food truck events. So just in like going to those or seeing them advertise, you just kind of get to know who's there. And um, this one in particular, Tiki Boys, they, they're pretty popular. So it felt like it was a good time to, to profile them. And they do attend a lot of festivals in the area. Um, and yeah, they, they are, they're interesting characters, those two, um, but they have a really interesting story as well. Um, they were just sitting around talking and were having a libation or two that was tiki, tiki themed and they were like man why isn't there food here um and then they just had the idea they both had experience in in the food industry one of them had lived in hawaii for a little while so they just took all those inspirations and ran with it and uh so this is their first summer doing it and they've seen a lot of success so far and they have created some really interesting and fun and delicious food items
1: yeah, I think most great inventions, you know, in, in history have been a couple guys sitting around having a libation or two, you know, kind of like a, Isaac Newton sitting around talking to, you know, Galileo or whatever, and they, they have a glass of wine. And next thing you know, you know, you figure out the sun's in the middle of the universe. But uh, th- another thing that I noticed in reading these stories, uh, ISIS, one of your stories, they needed a translator, like a, a employee, but a family member translator, um, because they're the recent immigrants and that whole American dream thing's pretty powerful. Uh, and, and that's a thread that seems to run through the stories. How did you find that story, Isis? And, and, you know, how did you, how did you get through to the family and, and be able to tell their story?
2: Yeah, that was a pretty interesting one uh, because I, had recently been going after stories or businesses that we hadn't really reported on or weren't that popular. But this place was actually very popular Um, and they have been around for maybe 40 plus years. And so I did find that one by social media and uh, most of the staff was really excited about it because it was one of their favorite places to eat too. So uh, when I called up the restaurant to do the interview, um the daughter of the owners answered the phone and she basically said that she would like me to speak with her husband because he would be the translator for her parents um and so that's kind of how that went and yeah he just really shared with me his story and or yeah his story his background and even his um parents or his I guess his parents-in-laws or his uh I don't know how to properly say that, but yeah, his parents, his uh, his wife's (laughs) parents and uh, even uh, his wife's story. And so it was just really, really, um, yeah, just, it, it felt connected. I felt connected to them because it was something that everyone can relate to, you know, wanting to come to a different place and, you know, find your grounding and make a place for yourself in a business. And that's what they did. And so that was, yeah, that was really cool to learn about them through him.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things I was struck by, too, was many of these stories had a family thread that went through it. There's a soul food place named Brothers, and it was an interesting story because it's not co-owned by the brothers. He said, if they ever need a job, they can come <laughs> The brothers can come work here. Um, and, and he said they do pop in and do that from time to time. A food truck guy, the guy with the hamburger, who, that hamburger is named off something off his father's menu when his father uh, was in the food business. And another thing, Rose, uh, and, and you guys can touch on this as well, but you had a story about the Occidental, that's a, I think it was an ice cream place, um, that had found some menu items. Why don't you tell that story? Because I think there's, there's a, a thread in these stories about the history of our communities as well.
3: Yeah, that one actually, um, I the, it was this new ice cream shop that opened up right downtown Muskegon, so worth covering just alone in that. And so I, I walk into the interview just kind of expecting, you know, straightforward ice cream shop opening story. And uh, it just ended up being this really rich background. Um, and this couple who started it just had a lot to their story that I was not expecting, which was really fun to do the interview. But um, so there was a hotel in downtown Muskegon called the Occidental Hotel um, that shut down in the 1970s um, and then was later demolished to make way for the Muskegon Mall. Um, And it's been such a long standing part of the history there that anybody who's been a part of Muskegon for any length of time knows about the Occidental Hotel. And so this couple who started it, the, the wife, she, her family used to work at the hotel at the candy counter and her, I think it was her, um, her great aunt um, actually made the hot fudge for their like classic hot fudge sundae. Um, And so when they decided to open this ice cream shop, they had the old hot fudge recipe. They had all these clippings. And so now they are remaking it um, and then name the hotel after Occidental or name the ice cream shop after the Occidental Hotel Um, and have all these relics and all all this memorabilia from the hotel as well. Um, And they said since they've been open, people from the community who also had leftover things from the hotel have been bringing them and dropping them off so it's almost become a little bit of a a museum for the hotel as well Um, and it's also right next door to the the history museum in muskegon so just like this really rich story with this couple and just a lot of of background there um, for the community and i mean she's a muskegon native and has been in um was worked in offices for 20 years and then they just decided to branch out and open this ice cream shop and um, I think they've been having a lot of fun with it and also being able to pay homage to the community as well. Um, and they they also they had one story that was really interesting. Um, a couple, an older couple came and they said their first date was at the hotel when they first started dating and they shared an ice cream sundae. Um, so they were they were at the at Occidental Eats and got an ice cream sundae. Um, and are sharing it all these, all these decades later, um, which the owners of the, the ice cream shop, they, that was really to touch them and really spoke a lot to them.
1: Well, and the cherry on top of all that, pun intended, is uh, where'd they get the recipe for like their special topping or sauce? Where'd uh, that come from?
3: Yeah, they have an old Muskegon Chronicle clipping that's framed and hanging in, in, the, uh, in the restaurant.
1: <laughs> it, 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 the Chronicle apparently had run their secret recipe uh, back in like the 20s, right? 1920s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're listening to Behind the Headlines, in MLive podcast. Uh, today's guests are Rose White from the Muskegon Chronicle and Isis Simpson-Mership from the Flint Journal. And we are talking about Michigan's Best Local Eats, which is a feature that MLive now has been running for about a year and a half to focus on uh, not as well-known restaurants and eateries in our, in our communities, but not only that, but the people behind them and their stories and the entrepreneurs who are making it happen. Isis, what about uh, you, you learned about Flint or about the people of Flint from doing these features?
2: Oh, I learned, I am learning still that, uh, Flint, uh, the members that make up the community, they are just very resilient. Um, as we all know, they've gone through so much over the last, uh, several years now, you know, on top of that, with this global pandemic, um, I find that everyone obviously has a story to tell and everyone is just so happy to share it with you. And, um, no matter what they're going through, they are looking to help their community and, you know, whether that's serving food that they love to make or giving someone a free meal or offering them a job or just uh, having a place for someone to, you know, just to come in, to get, get you know, get together, get their gatherings. Um, so that's what I've truly learned is that they are so resilient and uh, they are, are just always looking to help each other regardless of their
1: situation. What about you Rose? Um, uh, what's your background in Muskegon and how long have you been around there and what have you learned about your community?
3: Yeah um, I have lived in West Michigan my whole life um, so I've been familiar with Muskegon in that sense um, and my, my parents actually live in the area now and moved out there after uh, we all moved out. So um, I have a little bit of a, of a history there and I've been at the Chronicle for a little bit less than a year. Um, so I think The people of Muskegon are very proud of their community. Um, I mean, I think you can say that about anybody um, or any uh, people in any community, but um, I think Muskegon has uh, gone through so much from its industrial past um, where it was a really successful lumber town um, to seeing a lot of that industry be devastated and now they're kind of on a resurgence. So a lot of people are born and raised in Muskegon and stay there, and so they're really proud of seeing where Muskegon has come now. And so doing these stories, I think I can just see it, how much people love the Muskegon community, and they really appreciate being able to see these small businesses be highlighted um, because the people in Muskegon go to these restaurants, people in Muskegon love these restaurants. So to to see a spotlight shine down some of these places, um, I think just really touches on that that pride and that community pride.
1: When you, have you been in any of these places where you weren't tempted to eat something or didn't eat something (laughs) that was on the menu?
3: I have bought meals (laughs) after I've done the interviews and it's been great.
1: How, how about you, Isis?
3: Oh,
2: yeah, very much same. I have bought many meals um, and have eaten everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's talk about some of the favorite, uh, some of your favorite stories and some of the favorite foods that you've seen. Um, what comes to mind for you? in Because there was something in every one of these stories I read that, that I found extremely interesting, whether it was a guy with a food truck who also paints murals in the community, you know, the, 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 the history aspects, the the entrepreneurs who are trying new things. Um, and it, it seems like everybody, there was a guy you wrote about who has a pizza place. The guy with the 21 pound pizza said, I I don't know how to cook. I just cook. I just do what I like.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was, uh, it was really funny to me because I was like, you obviously know how to make something taste good. So you're cooking. Um, and so, but you know, his logic was just like, you know, I, I just make it taste good to me and people just end up liking it. Uh, yeah, he. Um, apparently had been in the restaurant industry for several years before opening up this place, which uh, has been Hippos, which has been open less than a year, Hippos and Benton. And, uh, you know, his his menu is just very, um, not very heart healthy. So lots.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I <laughs> picked love. up on that, that story because <laughs> you, you apparently in your stories make an effort to point out healthy food options and go ahead and tell <laughs> the listeners what you... <laughs> what he said when you asked him about his healthy choices
2: yeah he um basically i mean he eats everything too that's there um so yeah he, he basically said you're gonna get a, a lot of food you know you're a <laughs> lot of food but it's not gonna be healthy um so they have everything from pizzas to chicken tenders uh, and they all they do have a, a really large salad though like it doesn't look like a salad because there's so many toppings but it's yeah, you have that option there, um, but yes, the star of the show at that restaurant was this. Uh, I believe it was a twenty-one inch, or maybe it was twenty-eight. Twenty-eight
1: inches. inches. Yes, it's twenty-eight inches. pounds before <laughs> toppings. Twenty-one with all the toppings.
2: Yes, you got it. And uh, he that that he coined that pizza the beast, and it yeah, it, it's crazy. It's so big, and the box he explained like doesn't even make it. Into some, you know, most people's cars because it's just so large. So a lot of times, people will have to come. He says like, with a pickup truck, or they <laughs> will have to go and drop it off to their houses um, so they can get it home. Uh, yeah, so like, that is a is a big seller for him.
1: <laughs> Eric, Eric, you and I have to do a whole show on foods that need to be delivered by uh, delivery trucks.
0: <laughs> Might be a short and episode, that- but I'm down with doing that.
1: <laughs> I mean, we. You know, some of this started to feel like food challenge, like these shows where people, you know, can you eat this? Because there was another place, Rose, you wrote about. Maybe you can talk about it. It was, a, it was a brunch place. and They just seemed to delight the, the, in, in the fact that, like, and we dare you. Like, they have something called the Everything Breakfast Bowl. Eggs, bacon, sausage, ham, biscuits, gravy, hash browns, and cheese all in one bowl. It's like, but they did also have a full bar so you can wash it down with. But uh, how about you, Rose? I mean, uh, I I did notice in in Isis's story that she does look for that healthy like there are what point out what healthy options there was kind of funny because the guy laughs and you could try to sell it, I guess, but that's it. But, um, what do you try to accomplish when you go into telly stories and and from a consumer point of view and representing the menus and and letting readers know what they could expect?
3: Yeah, I think, um, and I think one thing that ISIS is really good at is finding that key menu item that really sticks with people. So she's inspired me in that sense to always find, dig around and find out what that is. Um, but yeah, there's been a few that stuck out. One, um, it was a, another taco truck or another food truck. Um, and so it's family run. Um, it's a, like immigrants from Mexico and they, their um, most popular and signature item is um, um, which is this really particular way of making the meat um, that is like unique to the region from Mexico that they're mm-hmm. from. Um, so it's like really tender and then they, um, cook it on the taco shell. So the taco shell gets a little bit crunchy and then top it with mozzarella cheese, um, and then just fold it up. And then it comes with this like spicy dipping sauce. And so I obviously wanted to try those. Um, -hmm. and the, the owner, he was like, okay, I'm going to give you this sauce. And he's like, it's kind of spicy. Is that okay?
1: (laughs) Did he think you were look like a lightweight? (laughs)
3: Um, Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: <laughs> our our listeners can't see this, but she's sort of pointing at herself. They a yeah, look at me. I'm a, a lightweight.
3: So you know, I, I could handle it, but uh, it was it was very it was very good. Um, so that one definitely stuck out as like something that it was you know you go to a taco truck and I think you don't expect to be surprised by the new menu item. Um, but it was really good and it was surprising. And um, it actually is like kind of a rare item to find in West Michigan. Not a lot of um, Mexican places serve this kind of meat and this style of meat. Um, so it was like fun to be able to find that out. Um, and then another one that stuck out was the, the um, wood-fired pizzas that I covered. Um, so this uh, these two guys, they just bought a wood-fired oven and started this pizza shop. And so they told me, they're like, yeah, it takes like 60 to 90 seconds to cook the pizza. And I was like, okay, not really sure if I believe that. And so when I ordered a pizza, I was like, can I just like watch it? And like, sure enough, it was like 90 seconds on the dot of just seeing this pizza get cooked.
1: (laughs) I I may be wrong, but pull this off the top of my head because I've read a little about wood-fired pizza. But I think they were like a 1,000 degrees or 1,400 degrees or some crazy... You know, where they just sear the pizza really, really quickly. The thing that struck me about that story, and it, every local eat story that we do has something like this that stands out. But these guys who started this wood fireplace, all of their um, season, like their, their um, herbs and their vegetables, were grown in a garden right behind where their oven is. But they just walk outside and pick. I mean, talk about farm to table. That's like backyard to table it was really cool um, to find these kind of elements of stories.
3: Yeah yeah that place is um, you can tell that they're really passionate about food um, and all of the creative pizzas they've come up with and uh, where they're situated in downtown Muskegon is literally right across the street from the farmer's market as well and so that's also where they get a lot of their inspirations they will go to the farmer's market once a week and that's how they create their featured pizza of the week is just whatever's there so they made like a peach pizza one week because peaches were in season.
0: Um, so
3: yeah, they, you can just tell that they have a lot of creative ideas and they're just, the pizza is the medium for them. I think to them, it's like, they can put anything on a pizza and make it
1: delicious. (laughs) It's art. They're just (laughs) dabbling in different media. Um, one last thing I really want to point out too, that just credit to the reporters who are writing these stories. uh, I think it's, especially when you're dealing with food trucks we put links in these stories to where they're going to be next (laughs) because if you read about this you know flaming hot cheetos elote and you want to go get one next week you might want to know where the food truck they're they are on wheels after all um so i think that's very thoughtful uh and a lot of everything about local eats i think is is about community it's about entrepreneurs it's about the history of the communities so uh, my hat is off to you that we have found from michigan's best the last 10 years with our food searches and so forth the passion that people have around food but you you both bring this extra element of community to it and i think it's a it's a fantastic it's journalism it's great journalism it's a good community service for people and like also let's just go dig into these food items they all sound so good so thank you isis uh, for joining us thank you rose for joining us today i'm behind the headlines and, and and happy eating Thank you,
0: John. And there they go. A huge thanks to Isis and Rose for joining us today. And now I'm absolutely starving. As always, if you like what John and I are doing, like, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast. Till next week. He is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulcran. And this is Behind the Headlines.